3: With Lee Landsbury from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, taxes, and all the breaking news, hear it on Live Mike with Lee Landsbury on KSL News Radio.
1: Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Landsbury. Right now, speaking live from the White House, President Joe Biden is discussing just this. Uh, executive orders. Uh, You heard me going on and on about executive orders. In just a moment, we'll hear from Congressman Rob Bishop about uh, his views on executive orders uh, in the midst of Joe Biden himself announcing, President Biden that is announcing uh, new executive orders to be signed again for the third day in a row of the Biden
2: administration. Seeing their paychecks reduced and they're barely hanging on and wondering what's next. Sometimes the anxiety about what's going to happen next is more consequential than what actually happened. But this is happening today in America. And this cannot be who we are as a country. These are not the values of our nation. We cannot, will not let people go hungry. We cannot let people be evicted because of nothing they did themselves. They cannot watch people lose their jobs. And we have to act. We have to act now. It's not just to meet the moral obligation to treat our fellow Americans with the dignity and respect they deserve. This is an economic imperative, a growing economic consensus that we must act decisively and boldly to grow the economy for all Americans, not just for tomorrow, but in the future. There's a growing chorus of top top economists that agree that at this moment of crisis, with with the interest rates as low as they are, historic lows, it is smart fiscal investment, including deficit spending, and they're more urgent than ever. You know, and that uh, return on these investments and in jobs and racial equity is going to prevent long term economic damage and benefits that are going to far surpass their cost. If we don't act, the rest of the world is not standing still in terms of their competitive advantage of the competitive possibilities relative to us that our debt situation will be more stable and not less stable, according to these economists, and that such investments in our people is going to strengthen our economic competitiveness as a nation and help us outcompete our competitors in the global economy, because we're going to grow the economy with these investments. While the COVID-19 package that passed in December was a first step, as I said at the time, it's just a down payment. We need more action, and we need to move fast. Last week, I laid out a two-step plan of rescue and recovery to get through the crisis and to a better and stronger and more secure America. The first step of our American Rescue Plan is a plan to tackle the pandemic and get direct financial relief to Americans who need it the most. You know, in just a few days, it's just, just been a few days since I outlined this plan, it's received bipartisan support from a majority of American mayors and governors. Businesses and labor organizations have together welcomed it as an urgent action that's needed. Even Wall Street firms have underscored its importance. In fact, an an analysis by Moody's estimates that if we pass our American Rescue Plan, the economy would create 7.5 million jobs just in this year alone.
1: We're going to step away now from the White House as President Joe Biden presents Uh, Some of his rationale behind the latest slew of executive orders. It's expected he will sign in just a moment. Producer Amy will continue monitoring uh, anything shared by the president and uh, have some of those words ready for uh, broadcast later on. But right now I want to bring uh, onto the program former Congressman Rob Bishop formerly representing Utah's first congressional district. Uh, he and I, uh, we have a history. As you well know, I, for a number of years, worked in Washington, D.C. as a congressional aide for the congressman. And if I'm honest, the, uh, the topic of executive orders and some of the frustrations felt by them uh, as exercised by both parties, presidents of both parties, uh, uh, signing executive orders uh, has been the source of much frustration. Uh, congressman, welcome to the program.
3: Thank you, Lee. Good to talk to you again.
1: As you hear the president there making these remarks in defense of the signing of executive orders, how does it strike you?
3: Executive orders, by their very definition, are divisive issues. It's something that is controversial in which a president makes a unilateral decision without involving anyone else. And it's it's going to be controversial just by the nature of it. Look, um, we have had, and, and you talked very briefly already about executive orders. They have, they have been in existence since George Washington, but they were used very limitedly. George Washington did eight in his eight years. Uh, Biden did 17 on the first day, and they were intended to be how the administration would interpret and actually carry out laws passed by Congress. They have morphed significantly since that time. Starting and you know I can't see your your hand gestures here, so when you need to break for something, just cut me off. Oh,
1: we we have, we have so, about four minutes, I'll tell you. All
3: right, I'll <laughs> talk fast. All right. Now, starting in in the early 1900s, the historians call it Progressive Era. Teddy Roosevelt uh, thought the president could do anything that wasn't specifically prohibited him by the Constitution, and he dissed state and local governments. He thought they were just administrative units. In essence, he thought more and more decisions should be made in Washington. Woodrow Wilson called the idea of, of separation of powers between the branches constitutional witchcraft. And what he was thinking is decisions should be made in the executive branch by experts in the agencies, not by elected representatives in Congress. Mm-hmm. So it was both an effort to, to consolidate more decisions in Washington and in the office of the presidency. And that's when executive orders uh, blossomed. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt did a thousand in his eight years. Wilson did eighteen hundred. FDR did thirty uh, uh, three hundred, over three thousand executive orders, and that doesn't include executive proclamations, which also have uh, the the penalty of law attached to them, as well as executive memoranda and decisions. What what happened in when Obama was elected? He had a Democrat House and 60 Democrat senators that could make it veto proof. Problem is, he still couldn't get his programs through, and in both reelections, Republicans made huge margins the biggest Republican elections in both the, uh, the midterms under Obama. So, in the last two years, he simply announced to us all he would be ruling through pen and telephone, in which he went hog wild on the idea of having executive orders, which, as you mentioned, many of which are. Were, were challenged in courts and some of which were slapped down. When Trump was elected, same situation happened. Republicans had the House and the Senate, but because of filibuster rules and others in the Senate, very few actual laws of the House passed were actually discussed or voted in the Senate. And so Trump also ruled with executive orders. And the problem with executive orders is they cannot overturn anything Congress does. But if Congress is somewhat vague, or gives authority there, yeah. or if the president sees they can do something about it. They can move in in the breach, and that's what we have been doing, and that's what is causing the problems.
1: We, we Congressman, have um, about thirty. We have about thirty seconds left. Is, is there a way to unring the bell? Can we move backwards? And, and who bears the who bears the or who has the ability to to walk this back?
3: Presidents have got to give up and quit doing things unilaterally. Work with other people before you actually issue an order, and. Congress has got to start writing specific laws, not just things like the TARP law that said the secretary of the Treasury can distribute whatever money he thinks is necessary. Congress bears responsibility with that as well. Hmm.
1: Do you see do you see are you optimistic about the future? Is there I mean, the last three days and the mountains of uh, of executive orders signed probably doesn't bode too well for those who are uh, not biggest fans of executive orders. But are, are you aware of any of any attitudes that might uh, bring us back to a more balanced uh, approach to all this?
3: Both presidents, uh, both administrations, both parties, especially the last three, have gone hog-wild on executive orders. And even if I agree with an executive order, um, and I could give you some examples if we had time, it's not the responsibility of the president to write statute. And that's what an executive order or an executive proclamation attempts to do. And just because it's hard to get legislation done doesn't mean that should be the way it is.
1: Amen. Uh, Listen, I've got to cut this conversation short. Thank you, Congressman Bishop, for your time. Uh, Always a pleasure to hear from you and chat with you. Okay. Take care. All right, sir. Uh, We're going to take a a break right now. When we come back, we'll dip back into the words being shared right now live from President Joe Biden. Uh, He is announcing a number of executive actions uh, one may be elevating the federal minimum wage to $15, a claim he makes lifting 15, 12 million people out of poverty. We'll get to that next, as well as some updates on the impeachment trial in the Senate. What's going on? What's planned? We'll find out next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.
0: I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold.